When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there. Welcome back, my friends. You're listening to another Headlines episode. On these Headlines episodes, they're different from what we do in most other episodes. On Headlines, we cover four relevant news stories in 15 minutes or less that are related, at least in today's case, to climate. As we did last week. So last week we had a theme and I just love a good theme. Who doesn't love a good theme? And so today I thought to myself, let's continue. Let's have a theme. This is wildfires week. So the first story I want to cover today sets us up for all subsequent stories we're discussing today. And that is that we are, according to some researchers, in the fire equivalent of the Ice Age. So we all know about the Ice Age, right? Perhaps we watched Ice Age the cartoon with our children. There are climate scientists who believe that we are now in the fire era, also known as the Pyrocene era. And the reason is because climate change creates the perfect, favorable conditions for fires. And on top of that, rising temperatures from fossil fuel burning, as well as other human activities, but Rising temperatures from human actions are making wildfires more frequent and more intense. So if you don't believe that we are now in the Pyrocene era, let's refresh our memories. In 2020, on the west coast of the United States, over 10.2 million acres burned and created the second and the third worst smoke days in United States history. Six months earlier than that... Australia suffered through what is now known as Black Summer. The Black Summer was months long. Bushfires galore. These bushfires sent native wildlife fleeing. It swallowed lush coastal cities with wildfire smoke. It was a big fat disaster for Australia. And last year as well, 2022, the worst wildfires in two decades torched, absolutely torched, large swaths of Spain. Northern Spain in particular, Portugal, and Romania. Now, what are the consequences of the Pyrocene era? Well, the first, and not a surprise to anybody who lived through the past three weeks, is that we humans are feeling the impacts of wildfires far away from where they ignite. I mean, I know here in Boston two weeks ago, the skies were gray. (laughs) The air was smoky. We could smell smoke, feel smoke. And all of that smoke in the air I was breathing here in Boston 
was from the Canadian wildfires. So I'm really far away from the wildfires, but my way of life is now being impacted. That's number one. Number two, these blazes are really pushing species and particularly vulnerable species into extinction. Number two, number three, there are emissions, carbon emissions released by wildfires. Carbon gets locked in tree trunks and stems of plants. And when these plants and trees burn, the carbon spills back out into the atmosphere. Emissions from wildfires in Canada in May, the month of May alone, reached almost 55 million tons of carbon dioxide, which, by the way, is almost a tenth of the country's total annual carbon footprint. I'm not sure if you've heard of the term feedback loop before, but feedback loops come to my mind as I read that statistic aloud. Global warming is causing more frequent and more intense wildfires. The wildfires, in turn, are releasing incredible amounts of stored carbon into the atmosphere, and on and on the feedback loop goes. And then finally, one more consequence is, of course, we're going to talk about it more in a minute, but air pollution. Wildfires emit invisible and very small pieces of particulate matter into the air. This particulate matter seeps into throats, lungs, and even the brain. It is quite dangerous, even though you can't see it, can't necessarily feel it. And about 10 million people every year are killed by air pollution. So the take-home here and the reason why I wanted to cover wildfires as the theme of this episode is because scientists do say that in the coming years, climate-charged megafires, I didn't make up that word, climate scientists did, megafires will become part of daily life for all of us, if they're not already. I mean, it certainly feels like they are already enter the Pyrocene era. So as we continue our conversation today about wildfires, we'll start with some good news. Starting this month, there are sensors being placed in and around Oakland, California, as well as different places in Oregon to monitor the air for signs of wildfires. These are early detection sensors, and they can detect and measure gas, particulate matter, and heat. And the purpose of them is to more quickly identify and locate and track blazes before they become out of control. Now, fire managers have been using satellite imaging and cameras to spot wildfires for years and years. But now they're using artificial intelligence, they're using drones, and they are indeed also using the sensors that we're talking about. These sensors are especially great in rural areas where there's no one around to report a wildfire. And they work by, again, measuring gases, measuring the temperature, monitoring humidity and air pressure, and coming with built-in artificial intelligence to reliably detect a fire. Now, these sensors are quite promising because they're easy and simple to set up. They're relatively cheap. And catching a wildfire early is critical to saving lives, saving ecosystems, and preventing millions of dollars in damage to communities. So some good news there. We're going to take our ad break. We just have one on these short headlines episodes. And when we come back, I have two more stories to you as it relates to your life, your health, 
and wildfires. We're going to talk about how exactly we can all be making our indoor air safer. And we're also going to be talking about air conditioners because a hotter world means more air conditioning. We're going to talk about that after a quick sponsor break. And we're back. We're talking all things wildfires and human health on today's headlines episode. So what can you do to improve your indoor air quality when fires are burning thousands of miles away, but they're still impacting your indoor air? Well, I have five tips for you, and we're going to get into them in a second. But please just know that it's not a one and done task. We don't do it once and then everything's better and we can go on with our daily lives. It's more about monitoring and tweaking, monitoring and tweaking over and over and over again. And so step one to making your indoor air safer is to first get comfortable with measuring the quality of your outdoor air because what's happening outside is very likely also happening inside your home. The EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, does have a mobile app. It's free and it's called Air Now. It's available on iOS and Android. And you just put in your zip code into the app and the app will give you an air quality reading. So it will tell you how things are looking in your location. That's step one for measuring outdoor air quality. It's free. Step two is not free. Step two is to buy an indoor air quality meter. You can purchase one for anywhere between $100 to $200. I have linked in this week's show notes to what some independent testers say are the best. But you get it. You plug it in. You let the monitor do its thing. And you get comfortable with reading the air monitor every single day. Because remember, again, improving your indoor air quality in the pyrocene era is not a one and done task. Okay, so step two is to install HEPA filters in your air handler. HEPA air purifiers are capable of removing so many types of small particles from the air, not just wildfire particles, but also bacteria, and viruses. So HEPA filters are indeed one of the simplest and best moves to protect against the stuff, the nasties that are in wildfire smoke. Just make sure that the HEPA filters you're purchasing are certified by AHAM. AHAM stands for the Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers. There'll be a stamp on the packaging to ensure that the filter you've bought does what it says it does. That's step two. Step three is to do your darndest, seal up your home. So of course, close your windows. If you have AC units, window units, we're gonna talk about AC in a minute, but take those out of your windows and close the windows. If you have cracks along your windows, fill those cracks. If you have gaps around your electrical boxes, fill those cracks. We've done an episode on this, and I'll link to it in the show notes if you missed it, but do your best to seal up your house. And then finally, step four, hold on to those N95 masks. I still have a box of them from the pandemic, and oh my goodness, the urge to just throw them all out along with the COVID test is strong. I just want to forget about the pandemic. I know that's not probably smart. And I'm really glad I didn't throw any of that out because those N95 masks are, when worn properly, of course, really great against protecting 
yourself from wildfire smoke particulates. All right, and finally, we are moving on to story number four today, which is air conditioners of the future. So, all righty, our future looks something like this. Excessive heat, more frequent and more intense wildfires, and more time spent inside with our windows shut. (laughs) Sounds miserable, especially in the dead of summer, doesn't it? Enter air conditioning units. It is well known, right, that air conditioners are energy guzzlers. They're also filled with planet-warming refrigerants. Now, air conditioning generates about 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That is twice as much as the entire aviation industry. I want you to think about that for a minute next time you turn your air conditioning on. And the excessive energy they cost to run The excessive electricity, the reason why your electricity bill goes up in July and August is because most of the energy that the air conditioner uses is used to remove humidity from the air. Now, on humid days, of course, you already know this, we feel hotter even when the temperature stays the same. So an 85-degree day with low humidity does not feel the same as an 85-degree day with very high humidity, does it? And so that's why many of us tend to set our air conditioners way lower than we generally do on those humid days. We want the humidity taken from the air. We want to compensate for that stickiness, that discomfort. Well, when we set our air conditioning really low on those really humid days, we're wasting a lot of energy. Now, as temperatures around the world warm, experts say that the most humid regions of the world are going to invest heavily in air conditioning. According to the International Energy Agency, approximately 10 air conditioners will be sold every second between now and 2050. India and China combined are expected to buy billions of air conditioners in the next few decades. So what's the problem? Well, I've already set it up. The current air conditioners that we have are not ready for our hot and humid future. AC technology at the moment isn't ready for super humid conditions. So if 10 air conditioners are going to be sold every second between now and 2050. That means that all those air conditioners that are bought, if they're buying current air conditioners, they're going to use a ton of energy and they are going to, again, of course, continue to warm the planet with those refrigerants. Now, next generation air conditioning technology is semi here. It's on its way. There's currently no regulation, there's currently no standards to ensure that those high humidity countries will be buying the newer technology, the less energy hogging technology, let's say. And so international organizations and countries, they're going to have to update their standards so that millions of AC energy hogs aren't purchased. Because if humans 
do buy millions or perhaps even billions of inefficient AC units and turn them up on humid days, they're going to be wasting excessive electricity, which could then in turn result in an extra 100 billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. That number, by the way, 100 billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions, that number is equivalent to two years of the world's entire carbon output. Mic drop. The feedback loop comes back into my mind there, right? We're using air conditioning because it's really darn hot outside, but the air conditioning units we're using are warming the planet even more. So the hotter it gets, the more we rely on our air conditioners and on and on the feedback loop goes. I will see you on Tuesday where I am speaking with a self-described climate optimist who has a new book out. She says there's no reason to panic. We will be hearing from her on Tuesday's episode of the podcast. I will see you then. Enjoy your weekend and take care.